Our reading this morning comes from um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, starting at the beginning of chapter 15 and reading through to verse 10. And if you've got a church Bible, it's on 990 in the church Bible. And it's entitled, The Parable of the Lost Sheep. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't, the light, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning. Can we just start with a prayer? Dear Lord, be with us all this morning as we try to understand this passage about the lost sheep and the lost coin a little bit better. Take away all the distractions and all the things that get in our way and help us to focus on the things that you want us to hear today. Amen. Right, for those of you who, 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 who don't know, about 10 years ago, I used to work with homeless people in Southampton. And um, I met lots of interesting people. But one of the people that I met, I don't know, do you want to pop the first slide up on the, on the, on the, on the overheads? Um, one of the people that I met um, was a chap who um, had an awful, awful lot of problems in his life when he, when, as he'd been growing up. And, um, and I got chatting to him one day, and he discovered that I went to church. And, and he found out which church, and he kind of said, oh, I used to go to a youth group at that church. And it turned out that he knew quite a lot of my friends from when, when they were a lot younger, when he was kind of like the early stages of secondary school. And... Um, and I, I was chatting to him, and, and he was kind of, like, really interested in church. And I kind of said, why don't, why don't you come along one day, you know? And he was like, me, in a church? And, and I thought our church was quite open, a bit like this one. Um, it wasn't this one at the time. And, and, and he was like, yeah, but, but everyone would look at me. I couldn't walk into a church. Everyone would look. Nobody would want to sit next to me. I, I couldn't face it. And at the time, I found that really shocking. But actually, the more I thought about it, even though I thought our congregation was fairly open to things and that a lot of people would reach out and be really welcoming, 
there would be people who wouldn't be able to help but stare. Some people might feel a bit uncomfortable sitting next to someone who was a bit smelly. And maybe we would just try and hold our children back a bit, kind of not being sure if that was entirely safe. And they're not necessarily bad things to feel, but, but it was a challenge for me, and it's a challenge I still have to this day. I'll come back to that story a bit later on. But today's reading starts with a challenge posed by the teachers of the law and Pharisees, who were basically the religious leaders at that time in the Jewish faith. And they were challenging Jesus. We're told that they muttered amongst themselves and were saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They were thinking that these people were a bit unclean. And, and they were potentially making Jesus unclean because he was talking to them. And even more than that, he was eating with them. Perhaps people a bit like my homeless friend. Jesus' response to these people and these mutterings were to tell three parables or basically stories with deeper meanings that would have challenged the religious leaders at the time and remain a challenge to us today. Would we ever find, particularly if we ever find it hard to accept other people that God has chosen us to share our life's journey with, or maybe our Christian journey with. Maybe if we have a tendency to look at ourselves and our lives and think that we're not worthy of God, that in some way we've fallen short, and maybe we believe we're not good enough to follow him. If we go on to the second slide. In the first of these stories, Jesus talks about a lost sheep, it is clear that the person looking after the sheep owns them. Jesus says that bit. But he doesn't really refer to this person as a shepherd. But they could easily have been identified as a shepherd at that time in rural Israel. A shepherd was, weren't, shepherds weren't uncommon people to find. And this image of a shepherd searching and caring for his flock mirrors images from the Old Testament of God as a shepherd that those critical Jewish leaders would have recognized. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 15 to 16, it says, I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I love that verse. This image of God as a shepherd is amazing. A God who cares and takes a personal interest in each sheep. Person? Sheep? A God who notices if even one sheep in a flock of a hundred, and probably even more than that, goes missing. A God who cares so much about each individual that he will leave the rest of the flock to search high and low for the lost sheep, whatever kind of mess they've got themselves into. 
He is interested. He cares. And he wants to restore them to the rightful place in his flock, in his care. I love the picture that I found of the shepherd searching for the precariously placed sheep that's on the screen dangling off the edge of a cliff to rescue the sheep in danger and to bring them home. There is nothing that is too big to keep us from God. He is desperate to find us and care for us. There is nowhere we can go and nothing that we can do that can make him love us less or stop him from welcoming us back. To the point that God sent his own son, Jesus, to earth to live and die for us, to pay the price for all the stuff that we let get in the way and hold us back so that we can be free to live life to its full with our loving, creating, and caring God. And if we go to the next slide, there's another remarkable theme from all of the lost and found stories um, in this section of Luke. And that is an immense joy that is experienced when the thing that is lost is found. Whether it's the shepherd calling all his friends round to rejoice about the lost sheep being found or the woman who has found her precious silver coin and invites her friends and neighbours over to celebrate. This kind of joy reminds me of the pride and joy that parents take in their children as they reach their milestones. I expect you've probably shared some of those with Tristram over the last few months. The first successful feed, the first tooth, the first foods, rolling over and sitting up for the first time. And perhaps most importantly, hopefully, for us parents, our first night of unbroken sleep. <laughs> God's joy is finding and restoring us when we are lost. Is something like that of a proud parent. He's there watching in the wings as we experiment and go off track. But when we see him, we recognize his love and turn towards him. He, he runs to meet us like a proud father delighting in his child. And that's what baptism is about. Turning away from the stuff that we get wrong and facing God. Agreeing on Tristram's behalf to follow God, the good shepherd. And you know that today in heaven, God will be rejoicing about Tristram. Now, just going back to my, my story about that homeless gentleman that I knew. I've kind of kept in touch with his comings and goings over the, year, through, over the years through Facebook. And a couple of years ago... There were pictures that he proudly posted of himself being baptised in the sea. Much like we do here. He had faced his fears 
and become part of a church family. And in turn, that family had clearly welcomed him. Through their acceptance, God had been able to show his profound love and joy with that man. It goes to show what God can do if we can overcome our fears and our tendency to perhaps judge others who might be a bit different to us and reach out with the same love that he has shown us. I just want to finish with a poem, and I think there's just one last slide that would go with that. It just talks a lot about God's love. This God. This God who watches worlds sees my heart. This careful calculator, counting countless millions, counts me in. This artist whose canvas outstretches eternity at both ends, whose palette outshines planets, paints my portrait. This lover who dreams in universes, dreams of me. This creator whose breadth of vision spans time and spawns a cosmos, whose woven tapestry of purpose, more compounding chaos, eclipsing complexity, rolls out like a highway through history, whose heartbeat defends supernovas. This perfect parent kisses me. This playwright playing with the deaths and entrances of stars, scripting the end from the beginning, knowing the purpose of the play, watches my feeble audition and writes me in. Thanks be to God.